this is episode 5 of the podcast Going Beyond Salvation, and this is season 4, and I'm your host, Jess Robinson, and this is essentially our uh, podcast on Psalms and Proverbs, and now we're in Psalm 61, and it's, you know, Psalm of David, and uh, it's it's just amazing. Uh, he's just, when you look at the Psalms that are written by King David, it just really goes in depth about, you know, his heart for God and that we know that David was just a worshiper and that he worshiped God. Um, He just brought an atmosphere of worship Uh, and just these Psalms that, you know, today that we still have and that we can continue to use those Psalms as as a part of worship uh, for when we're worshiping God and they bring encouragement, they bring peace. And it just shows how living and active the, the Bible is today. You know, many say that the Bible is very offensive. Uh, Many say that the, the Bible is, you know, especially the old Testament, when it comes to the old Testament, that, that it's an active, no, all of the Bible is still active and, and living and sharper than in, any two-edged sword. Uh, we get into Psalm 61 and just the the worship that's there. You know, he's, we see David in a lot of his Psalms. He, he starts off with crying out to God. And I think it's a huge thing for us to go before God. You know, we just, sometimes we like to just be that kid on, on the glass floor or the, the, linoleum floor that just slides right in when when we want to and and when we're just desperate but you know sometimes God just wants to come in and wants us to come in and just worship him and and we see David's crying out and just saying Lord listen to my prayer and and that you know he's calling to him and that as his heart grows faint you know he he cries out you know lead me to the rock that is higher than I, you know, he realizes that, that the Lord is, is the almighty, that he's stronger and, um, and that he just has this longing to dwell in, in the, in the Lord's tent forever. And I think as, as believers, we get so busy that in, in our lives that, you know, we're just so busy from day to day. We have our, our list of to do's, you know, especially when I, when it's our weekend, you know, you work Monday through Friday or whatever your schedule is, you know, you're working and then you have your day off and you have this list of to-dos that you're trying to get done just because, you know, you, you don't have time. And so you're just, we get so busy, but David longed to be in the tent of the Lord. And it's there that he, you know, is finding rest in God. You know, we have to find rest in God. Sometimes we need to just sit down and be still and find rest in God because we're so busy. Even when we get home at night, we're just busy checking out our social media, checking out, you know, the next next best thing. But, you know, sometimes we need to just, you know, daily we need to sit and find rest in God. You know, may it be just taking 30 minutes or even 
you know, for me, you know, I have an hour long drive and I take that hour long drive in the morning and that's my time to worship. You know, I turn on worship music and I'm singing and yes, I'm praying with my eyes open because I know God hears me. And I mean, God's presence comes into my car. There's times where, you know, I'm taking a vacation. And I remember, you know, in 2019, you know, I had taken a vacation, a whole week of vacation and, um, you know, didn't drive my car at all. I was just staying home. It was the week of the fair and we were having a prayer tent. And so I was helping out at the prayer tent and, oh my goodness, like when, you know, and I was having, you know, good times of worship with the Lord. But even then when I was at the prayer tent and then when I had to go back to work that Monday, it was just like the Lord was welcoming me back into his presence inside my own car. It was like, wow. So, you know, it's just take time to find rest in the Lord, you know, look at your schedules, you know, is there something, you know, such as when you're looking at social media, do you think you could set that aside and so that you can use that time to be in the word or praying, just finding rest in God, you know, and, you know, there's, he, um, and, and all of that, and that's actually jumping into 62 as well, and that, you know, taking time to praise God and, and being in his presence. And I'm going to jump into 62 because he's talking about finding rest and having rest in the Lord and that he is our rock and our salvation and our fortress and that we're never going to be shaken, you know, and we've, we've heard that, you know, from Jesus about, you know, building the house on the rock versus the sand when the storms of this life come, you know, the, the one on, on the rock is going to, you know, it'll be shaken and the waves will come and beat on it, but it's not going to come down. And when we have the Lord as our rock, you know, he's our fortress, he's our foundation. You know, I was, when I was in my time of worship, I, it was yesterday, there was, you know, the song Cornerstone and yeah, and the Lord reminded me that, there's so many people that don't have Jesus as their cornerstone and we're in such a time, you know, that's so uncertain with 2020 that you just one thing after another happened where you had, um, you know, you have COVID-19 and then all of a sudden there's all these riots happening after uh, the death of, of George Floyd and just so much uncertainty, you know, jobs being shut down, especially in the oil field. You know, I'm in Wyoming where a lot of people lost their, their jobs in the oil field because the oil prices went down that there was just no work coming in and just so much uncertainty. And there's so many people that are living in fear day to day just because, you know, they don't have Christ as their cornerstone that, you know, when, when the sees rage on, you know, it's, it's Jesus is there and we're never going to be shaken. You know, the, the waves may beat upon us, but our eyes are so focused on God that that's just so important. And, you know, that's just so much that we need to 
We need to find rest in, in the Lord and make him our solid foundation, especially in this in these times, you know, and and just be there, you know, in his presence, seeking after him and letting him just handle day to day. And, you know, we see in Psalm 62, he talks about the wicked and that, you know, that the wicked, they, you know, they tend to, they plan evil, but the Lord, you know, he always, and we see it in, even in his Psalms that he always just gave it to the Lord. He was not going to, uh, take vengeance for himself and you know and that our hope comes from him you know i love this and i have it highlighted in my bible it says find rest on my soul and god alone my hope comes from him you know and and we think about hope and and there's when you look at hope in a worldly sense it's wishful thinking but in the spiritual realm here with with the bible and our salvation our hope is different it's a different terminology that we have this solid hope of assurance that it's solid because we know for sure where where this all ends. And it's, you know, standing on the hope, the blessed hope that we have. And that, you know, we're to trust in him at all times. You know, it. we don't have to have it all figured out. We just have to trust in him and that he's the one that's already got it figured out. And just go with it. And that we're to pour our heart, our hearts out to him as I was seeing in this psalm. To pour out our hearts to to the Lord. Always and in, in all of that. That's just a huge part of this psalm. So we're going to take a break and then jump into uh, the rest of psalm 62 and part of psalm 69 so in the rest of psalm 62 uh that i've taken notes for you know that He's talking about low-born men are but a breath, the high-born are but alive. If waved on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are, are only a breath. So when you think about it, and because we are only a breath, we only have this one life. And and going before the Lord, I I like to say this as well. You know, we when we look at sin, we try to make sin. You know, like you talk about like the seven deadly sins or, or all of that. We try to rank sin and sin is sin in God's eyes. You know, it doesn't matter if you've murdered somebody or you committed adultery or you're a liar or you, you were in homosexuality, you know, the sins that you've committed are sin before God. And, and so when weight on a balance, they're, they're equal and and so we all have to answer that when if we're unrepentant you know and but that's just the amazing thing with with Christ that you know when we come to Christ you know our lives are radically changed and those sins in our past are gone and we can go before him and 
and we think, oh my gosh, well, you know, you know, thinking of trembling, but I think in a way the Lord just looks at us, especially when we've pursued after him and he sees us with this, you know, with the blood of Jesus on us that we're white as snow. And, and then also in 62, that we're not to trust in extortion, extorting other people. Um, this day, you know, I think ma manipulation in a way is, is, is extortion as well. You know, we, we try to manipulate our way. You see it even in, in TV shows with marriage, that marriage is supposed to be deceptive and manipulation. And, and that's not how it is. You know, marriage, you're to live selfless before your, your spouse, you know, and, and, and pouring out to them, you know, not manipulating them to get you what you want. You know, it's about serving your spouse and, and loving them and, and just loving them with an unconditional love. And, and it's the same way, you know, with people when you're and working and not to manipulate our way or extort our way and not to extort other people for our own gain. It's just, we're to be Christ-like and be a light, you know, wherever we go and letting God's light and his glory just shine. I just love and, and, and verse 11, it says, one thing God has spoken, two things I have I heard that you, O God, are strong and that you, O Lord, are loving. So we see these descriptions of God, that he's loving and that he's strong. You know, and I think a lot of it, you know, I was listening to this song this morning. And it's, it's pieces and it's mainly song, sung by Bethel and um, performed by Bethel in is talking about God's love, that his love is not res reserved. He is not insecure. So, you know, God is strong. He's loving and his love for us is unreserved, you know, and that we can just enjoy that. And that at the end, he says, surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. That's the thing about God is even those, you know, we think about that today we have to take justice into our own hands. No, we don't. We can give it to God because God is the ultimate judge. We are not made to judge. That's not who we were created to be. You know, I love the, the movie, um, my favorite, and, um, and it's actually the book I actually love the more because the most because the, is the shack. Because the shack, the ending is not right. I'm like, uh, no, the ending is this. And so I really wasn't too happy with the movie. I was more happy with the, the book. Um, but the shack, you know, was all about forgiveness. And that scene where the, the main character, he, you know, that, that he's the you know, put as the judge and he wasn't meant to be the judge. And he learns that he has to, to give the justice to God and, and, and forgive. And so that's just how it is, is God is going to reward those, you know, that seek after him. There's a reward in heaven, eternal treasures, but you know, those who are unrepentant, they're, they have their due coming. And so, 
that's just something that we need to hold on to. And then we jump into 63. And in 63, it's also another Psalm of David. And when it was in when he was in the desert of Judah. And we see that he's earnestly seeking God. You know, that, that continuation of his heart of worship. That he's seeking God. That he's thirsting. He's hungering for God. And wanting to be in his presence. And... Um, I just love in verse two, and he says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and behold your power and your glory because your love and jumping in verse three, because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. And so David understood the love of God that he didn't see him as this judgmental God. He, he worshiped him. He loved him and he, he wanted God's love more than anything else. I think, you know, if he would have been asked to give up the kingdom, he would have gave up that kingdom like so fast to be with God. And and we do see it when he has to flee from his own son. He doesn't even have the ark go with him. He said, you know, if I'm to come back and to Jerusalem and, and reign, God will let it happen. You know, that was his, he was willing to give everything up to be with God. And, and that's how we should be as we get so caught up in life and our material possessions. And my question is, is if God asked you to give it all up, would you be able to, do you love him and, and want his love more than enough that you would give up everything? You know, would you give up your, even, even your own life? And we just see that with David and, you know, he's continually giving praise and that his soul, he says, my soul will be satisfied as with the riches of food with seeing my lips or with seeing lips, my mouth will praise you. You know, he continues on and, and that he remembers God. He thinks of him through the watches of the night. And that he will sing in the shadow of his wings, you know. And that's the thing about it. You know, our soul will never be fully satisfied until Jesus is enough. Until the Lord is enough. And, you know, to get to that point where you're just thinking of him, worshiping him all through. Even at night where you, you lay down to go to sleep, you're thinking of him. And and just desiring for, you know, his presence even to meet with you in, his, in your dreams. I mean, that's just to that point. And, you know, I've been craving that where I, you know, I get up in the morning to that he would just be on my mind, feeling his presence, feeling his presence wherever I go. And no matter what's going on, even when my day is bad, just to say, you know, praise God, praise God and and all of that. And just think about it. You know, David was running for his life. And, and a lot of these Psalms came from a time of running you know, and even in this time as a king for him to be worshiping. I mean, that's huge. That's huge. So we're going to take a quick break and then jump into Psalm 64. When we get to Psalm 64, this is also of David. 
And this is a prayer for protection um, from the plots and deception of enemies. And, you know, he, we see David is asking God to hear him. He asks for protection from the enemy. He asks for protection and to be hidden from the conspiracy of the wicked. It's just amazing to, to read this because we can actually apply that in our lives that to, in our prayer time, you know, asking God to guard our hearts from the attack of the enemy, you know, when he tries to tempt us and to help us to see, you know, when the enemy is attacking and, and to be prepared because, and, you know, he, he goes in verse three, talking about the enemy, they sharpen their tongues like swords and aim their words like deadly arrows. And we're going to talk about that in, in Proverbs as well. And we've talked about it a few times, how our words are, you know, as we think about God, he spoke creation into life and, you know, how powerful our words are from the tongue and how we can easily uh, cause somebody, you know, to stumble because of our words and how we act. And so that we're to guard our mouth, we're to, to pray to guard our mouth and that he, you know, he, a characteristic of the enemy that he puts in there is that, that the enemy ambushes, that it, you know, and the enemy encourages other enemies and evil plans, other people, and the enemy plots injustice. And that's just how Satan is, is, you know, we th there's other references to him like a lion. And when you think of a lion and you watch even like mountain lions, um, they're opportunistic. They look for those that are easy opportunity, easy prey. And that's how the enemy is. He looks for the people, you know, who are not in their word all the time. Those who are busy and focused on themselves. Those that you know, get easily distracted and, and start wandering away from church. He, he looks for those people and that's when he ambushes. He ambushes with evil. He ambushes with injustice. And sometimes we're all taken aback suddenly because it just seems like it was sudden that the enemy just attacks us. But I think it's all planned and meticulous. We know that he's watching us and, you know, observing us and and seeing where the weaknesses are and that's why it's so important to be in the word to be praying because if you're not going through a trial or season of of trial you need to be preparing you know because when that time comes you need to know how to fight you know soldiers just don't pick up their weapons and start fighting you know, they, they train. That's why, you know, our military, when you join the military, you go to boot camp because you have to train, you have to train for war. You have to get ready. That's how it works. It's not, you just pick up a gun and go, you know, it's, and even in the time that the Bible was written, the soldiers were always out there with their swords practicing all the time. And that's a huge thing. And, so we look in that, and you know, we continue in, in Psalm 64, that the, the ultimate thing that I got is that God is the ultimate avenger, which is always, you know, we see David saying that all over and over and over, that the justice is ultimately with God. And 
And that's just something we need to continually, especially in these days, remind ourselves. And then finally in Psalm 65, um, you know, it's another one written by David. And it's talking about, you know, praise awaits you, O God, in Zion. To you, our vows will be fulfilled. It's only through God that promises are fulfilled. You know, this Bible is filled with promises of God. And a lot of them have been fulfilled. And some are still waiting to be fulfilled. But we can continue holding on because they will ultimately be fulfilled. And it says in here that to you, all men will come. You know, all men will come. And there is, you know, a verse that every knee is going to bow to to Jesus, even though those, even if they haven't submitted to Jesus, you know, in the end, every knee is going to pound to Jesus because he's ultimate. He's, you know, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I just love David. He says, when we were overwhelmed by our, by sins, you forgave our transgressions. I mean, he saw God as, as a way to forgiveness his heart was that way. It was just amazing how he grasped forgiveness. And I think it's because of his own life, the offense he went through, he was able to learn to forgive and grasp because he could grasp onto God's forgiveness. He could share that same forgiveness with others. Now in verse four, it says, blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. And some people may take that especially some um, denominations, they will say, oh, this points to predestination, which predestination, if you don't know that, what that exactly means, is essentially saying that God has determined who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved. That's not how it works. You know, God wants all to be saved and he made the way for salvation and that all who come to Jesus as their Lord and Savior is saved. Those who reject the Lord, those and they continue to re- reject the Lord and then ultimately die, they end up going to eternal punishment, um, going to hell. And, you know, that's not how, you know, if God determined who was saved and unsaved. Why would he send his one and only son to die on the cross? I mean, that's, that's just a waste if, if he was going to determine who's saved and who isn't saved. You know, the choice is ultimately ours. And it takes away that whole thing about free will and and receiving and being able to reciprocate reciprocate love. But when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are chosen by God. You are chosen by God and we get to be near God and enjoy communion with him. And it's possible, it's possible when you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior and and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in you as well, you know, it allows you to draw and The Bible continually exhorts us to draw near to God continually that we might receive his mercy and strength to help us in our times of need. Um, Our greatest shame is going to treat this privilege lightly 
and not go near God. You know, there are people that just shove it to the side because they're just so focused on themselves. And, and it's sad, you know, and it's like, I just, you know, I'm not myself if I don't draw near to God. You know, if I get so busy, I'm just not myself. Actually, my husband says, you know, I get really grumpy and really snippy if I don't get to have my prayer time. Like in our seven years of marriage, he's learned to let me at least have 30 minutes to go pray and go read my Bible. You know, he's like, hey, you know, I'm going to let you go have this time to yourself. He's learned that in my, in our seven years of marriage, because he's like, you get snippy is what he told me. He says, you get snippy, you get mean, you get very impatient. If I don't get my time with God, it's interesting because, and so my husband has learned in our seven years of marriage that even when we're moving, you know, he's like, you get a separate bag like a to-go bag to put your Bible in. And like, I have like five or six of these things, of these to-go bags. And he's like, you put it in the front seat of your car. And like, there was one time that, you know, we were moving from Laramie. It was when we were moving from Laramie and I thought I was behind. I thought my husband had taken off before I did. We had, he had decided to go down to a different gas station and I had gone to another gas station on the other end of town um, that I liked using. And it was actually funny. Um, we had the car packed. He had the U-Haul. And we were heading back up to Powell. And I, um, he had texted me. And he said, well, I'm all filled up. I'm going to uh, check the internet one more time. And check on things one more time and then uh we'll take off and so we took off or and or that he was going to take off and I texted him and I said well I got my gas where are you at and I couldn't he didn't respond and I thought oh great he's driving and we were taking off and so I just took off and headed for Medicine Bow um and I figured okay you know if he can't find me and I can't find him Essentially, one of us will stop at that rest stop between, you know, Medicine Bow and Casper. And so I kept going, trying to find him, and I couldn't find him. And my phone wasn't going off. And I had texted him saying, well, I'm done. I'm on my way. And, you know, because it took a while for me to get going down because it took like 10 minutes that day to get down to the Shell gas station for some reason. But when I took off, I just thought he was way ahead of me, you know, and we were going to, you know, essentially um, meet up and so that we could get to Grable and then eat lunch in Grable as a celebratory lunch. And I couldn't find him. And I was like, what's going on? And then I hit the, the, the station or this rest stop. And so I get to the rest stop between Medicine Bow and, and, um, 
Casper and I, I stopped and I sat there and I tried to text him and guess what? There's hardly any cell service between there. Welcome to Wyoming where you think you would have cell service and no, you don't. And so I had to stand on top of my car cause I was able to get enough bars. Welcome to Wyoming. You will find the where if you think yoga poses are crazy, welcome to Wyoming where you know, you're doing a weird pose for a, a cell service to try to send a text. And I sent a text to him going, I'm at the deal. And I decided that if he wasn't, if he didn't show up in 30 minutes, I was going to continue on. And then I'd stop in Casper where I knew I had cell service and try to find out where he's at. So I just pulled out my Bible and, and I had to use you know, the restroom anyway. And so I pulled out my Bible afterwards. And so I was sitting there and, you know, 15 minutes have gone by and I'm sitting there going, okay, you know, and I just kept reading. I got my daily reading in that day <laughs> just because of that. And so, but, and he actually ended up, he was actually like 20 minutes behind me. And so... We did that. <laughs> we finally got back together and um, was able to continue on the journey. So essentially in, in Psalm 65, you know, and I just love this, that um, it says you, we are filled with with the good things of, of your house, of your holy temple. When you think about it, you know, people go, oh, you know, you're a Christian. You live all by these rules. And it's like, I don't think of it as living with rules. I've, I look at it as I have so many blessings from God. And, you know, especially at Christmas time this year or last year, um, we, you know, for our Christmas, essentially our Christmas uh, sermon uh, that, that are in 2019, what we it was a little bit different. It was about the gifts we get from God. And it's, you know, several of us, like we had gotten together, wrapped all these presents and went down and there were so many, and we had these strips of paper with what it was, the gift was in a verse. And you know, like me and my husband, it was, you know, love, you know, unconditional love. And there was the Holy Spirit. There was Pope, peace, joy, and you start thinking about it, it starts building up and building up like all these presents. It's like, we get so much. It's not just salvation. We're getting so much from good things from God. Nothing bad ever comes from God. So that's just something we really can hold on to. And finally, you know, in, in Psalm 65 that stood out to me is that God answers us. And it's true. People think God is silent, but God isn't. God answers our prayers. And that's just something that we need to hold on to always is that God answers us. So that was all for Psalms. We're going to go over Proverbs after a short break, but I'm going to let you know the reading plan for for next week. And so we're going to start on Psalm 66 and... Um, we're going to read Psalm 66, uh, Psalm 67, and then we're going to go start on Psalm 68, verse 1, and go through 
verse 27. And I, be I believe we're not going to get through all of Psalm 68, if I remember correctly. And because of that, we might not talk about Psalm 68. We will see. So for sure, we'll talk about Psalm 66 and 67. And so that is it for Psalms, but we'll take a quick break and jump into Proverbs. So we're in Proverbs and in Proverbs, you know, we're, we're jumping back to chapter 12 and we're starting on verse 22. And you know, one of the things that shows about the Lord that he detests is lying lips. And we think about lying, even just the the little white lie. It affects our our relationship with the Lord negatively. And, you know, when we see he delights in people who are truthful, and sometimes it's hard to tell the truth, you know, especially when it's you that have made the mistake or the wrongdoing. But the Lord honors those who are truthful. And I think that's a huge part of our testimony is even being truthful when, when you know, it incriminates us. So it's kind of huge in, in our relationship with God. And, and then we jump into 23, you know. It says a, a prudent man keeps his knowledge to himself but the heart of of fools blurts out folly you know when you think about you know learning to keep it you know there's nothing wrong with sharing advice but it, there are people that just meddle or they gossip and it's their mouth is always going but they're not listening essentially and a part especially in our own prayer life with the lord too we, we tend to pray and pray and pray and pray, but we don't sometimes stop to listen and listen for God's voice and his direction. And that's a huge thing in our relationship with God. And then 24, it's talking about diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. You know, um, I, you know, I'm a big proponent that, you know, living and working, and, and not being lazy, you know, and, you know, and I understand there are people, you know, that especially disabled veterans, those that don't get that opportunity to work, you know, there's people that live on disability, you know, my mom is also on partial disability and it's hard for her because she grew up and, and lived working and this was a really hard transition for her. I mean, she still like works from home because my brother has his own business. And so she helps him with the bookkeeping and, and the invoicing and all of that. But she's on, you know, disability uh, due to, you know, an, an illness right now that keeps her from working. And it's hard for her. She doesn't like it because she she's always been one to work. You know, growing up, she loved to work. She loved you know, that's just how she was. And, you know, everywhere she went, you know, there's just a thing about my mom that, uh, you know, I'm going to brag about my mom because the Lord really works through my mom. She 
people are just attracted to my mom because the light of Christ just shines through her. And I know there was one job she quit um, because she got another job. And there was so many, the manager said there were so many customers that left their business because my mom was gone. And, and that's just how God is just a testimony of how God works and people and that, you know, when you're a light and that light is gone, people will leave, you know, to go find that light, you know, and we continue on. And I just love verse 25. It, it, it talks, it says, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. It talk. this is just so huge, you know, how our words, you know, can bring somebody down, but it also can encourage and just learning to be an encourager and encourage people, you know, anxiety, we see it today, anxiety, and I, everywhere I go, they're the hugest thing, and even among teenagers, I've noticed anxiety is very prevalent these days. Fear is very prevalent. And it's learning to encourage and, and praying over these, these people that struggle with anxiety and encouraging them, you know, to cheer them up. Verse 26 is, a, you know, a righteous man is cautious in friendship, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. You know, we need to be cautious in our friendships as, as believers. You know, I know, um, you know, I, you know, some of the new believers I've met that, you know, they try to keep some of their worldly friendships and, you know, and there's nothing wrong when you have a, a friend that doesn't believe in the Lord and your, your heart desires to see them, you know, be saved and, you know, if they don't cut you down and they're not trying to mock you or anything, yes, keep that friendship. And they're still supporting you as a friend and, and all of that. Don't, don't give up that friendship. But if they're bringing you down in your Christian walk, if they're making fun of you, like, and I've seen this with brand new believers, they get, they struggle because they have these friends that mock their relationship with the Lord. They make fun of them. And I tell them at some point, you're just going to have to cut it off. And I, I've met a few where they just actually sit there and they go through their Facebook and they just start deleting people off their Facebook that, that they know is just going to bring them down. And in our walk with God, we have to be cautious with our friendships as well. You know, we see with David, King David, as we talked about in the Old Testament, portion of the podcast that you know he had people that were telling him to kill Saul but you know here's your opportunity but he didn't listen to that advice and I think that's just something we need to watch out for is to be cautious in our in our relationships and, and our friendships and who we hang out with and then in 27 it it's talking about the lazy man does not roast his game, but game, but the diligent man prizes his possessions. You know, um, it's, it's just going back about working and laziness. Don't be lazy <laughs> in your life. Uh, we only have one life to live. 
And then verse 28, in the way of righteousness, there's life along that path is immortality. When you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you're, you're walking on that path with him, there's eternity, there's immortality. You know, yes, our physical bodies will die, you know, if, if, if Jesus doesn't come back anytime soon, you know, if our, bo- our physical bodies may fail, but spiritually, you know, we have Im- Im- immortality. There's life, you know. It's just another door to to heaven and and to being with Jesus. And so we're going to take a quick break and then jump into Proverbs 13. So we're in you know, Proverbs 13 and... In verse 1, it's talking about, you know, a wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a mocker does not listen to, to rebuke. And we've talked about this in past podcasts about learning to take godly advice, learning to take instruction, um, and not living with pride. And, you know, a huge part of our of righteous living is uh, essentially having humility. And part of humility is learning to take the advice and and instruction of others and in verse two and three you know the fruit of lips and, and guarding our lips you know we've talked about this as so, several times that you know when you know you have God in your life we we need to learn to guard our lips and, and the fruit of our lips and that essentially you know we can the fruit of our lips can bring people down the or it can encourage them and that we're to guard and and there's nothing wrong with with praying to god to guard our our lips you know and what we say to people and and god will honor that then we jump in verse four and it's talking about the sluggard you know they crave and get nothing but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied and you know, you think about it and, and there's truth to, you know, you, you work for what you're going to have to get, you know, you can't just sit around and expect it to come to you. Now you don't strive to, for, for where God's going to place you, but you get prepared and you work for it. You go to school, whatever you need to do, um, get in your word and prepare and research where, you know, and pray about, you know, if it's missions, praying about where God wants to put you in missions um, whatever it may be, you know, thinking, you know, just be diligent, you know, especially diligent in reading the word and praying. That's the best thing to do because our, our desires will be satisfied. And then in verse five, the, you know, it's talking about the righteous hate what is false, but the wicked bring shame and, and disgrace. You know, when you have a heart and, you know, especially, you know, and we see it with David, King David, we see it with Jesus, that when your, your heart is after God and allowing God to move and, and, you know, Jesus is the son of God, you know, having this heart, you, you hate what is false. You hate is what is wrong. You, you essentially hate injustice and, 
And that's huge. Um, a huge part of, of righteous living is as you pursue God, he's, you allow him to change your heart to where, you know, and you, and you'll see it when you see sin or something that's not right. You know, you, you hate watching it. It puts a sickness in your gut. And essentially, essentially as well with righteousness, you know, it guards the man of integrity. It's a huge part. Integrity is a huge thing because how can you have a testimony if your integrity isn't there? You know, yes, you know, you can be honest and say, I'm still not perfect. And that's a huge part of your testimony is, is admitting when you're not perfect, having that hu humility, but as well as, as talking about and, and allowing the Lord to move in that area of your life. And so, you know, we, we continue on and in verse seven, you know, about humility, humility is a huge thing. You know, when, you know, like in verse seven, it's essentially pointing to humility again that, you know, today we have to put on this false front with people. And when we're pretending to be rich, we have nothing. But, you know, when we pretend to be poor, we have great wealth. Now, it's not saying to be poor and this and that, but, you know, just not boasting about what we have. You know, unless you're boasting about what you have in the Lord, you know, what he's, how he's blessed you personally, but just allowing humility, um, you know, I'm just going to kind of jump to the things that really stood out to me. I just love in verse nine, the light of the righteous shines brightly, but the lamp of the wicked is snuffed out. You know, when you have Jesus in your life and you're allowing him to change you, it, essentially you have Christ's light shining in you. And that's my challenge is letting Christ's light shine within you, essentially, and and going into a room and just letting like to the point that people wonder what you have, you know, and they start thirsting and craving and it opens that door for you to share, you know, what God's done for you, what what Jesus has done for you. And then, you know, about in verse 10, you know, pride breeds quarrels, which is true. You know, pride breeds quarrels. You know, you think about and see some of the biggest fights, you know, when there's pride involved, when they're, you know, it's not saying that you aren't going to have a disagreement with somebody, but a part, especially like when in marriage, you know, learning about arguing and when there's a disagreement, learning to when one gives essentially when there's somebody who gives in humbly in the situation it allows you know for a resolution where pride it just continues to breed quarrels and where those who have wisdom they take advice And then in verse 11, dishonest money uh, dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. When you think about that, you know, there's nothing wrong with saving. 
having savings and stuff, but it's talking about how are you getting your money? You know, are you getting it honestly? Are you being honest with your time clock? Are you being honest when you're working? And it's hard, you know, in these days, there's so much distractions, but you know, we can't allow our life to, you know, we we have to live as a testimony and that includes being honest, you know, in our own workplace with our own hours, how we're making our own money. That's just something we need to think about. And I'm just going to continue on, you know, in verse 13, you know, he who scorns instruction will, will pay for it. But he who respects the command is, is rewarded. You know, we've talked about that before about, Taking advice, taking instruction. I just love verse fourteen. The teachings of the the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life, turning a man from the snares of death. And it's essentially, you know, also taking what we've learned, and and as we become wise in our in our relationship with the Lord, allowing that to teach others, and that God puts in our lives. To keep them from being ensnared as well. And then finally, you know, good understanding wins favor, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. You know, the way of the unfaithful is hard and leads to destruction. We're having understanding of the Lord, you know, leads to favor of, of the Lord. And so that was it for Proverbs this week. Uh, We're going to finish up Proverbs 13 for next week. So we'll start on verse 16 and go through 20, verse 25. Then we'll start on Proverbs 14 and go through verses 1 through 12. So divvy that up however you want. And so stay tuned for our new Testament uh, podcast that will be coming out later on today. And so I'm going to end in a prayer. And I just want to say thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are, Lord. I pray that as we continue to read Psalms and Proverbs, Lord, that they would just speak to our hearts about how we should live, Lord, and how we should react around people, Lord. And Lord, just we can't do it on our own, though. We can only do it through your strength and your strength alone. And so, Lord, just move in such a way, Lord God that magnifies you that glorifies you and so we just thank you for all that you're doing and continue to do in jesus name amen stay tuned for the next podcast